You're listening to a podcast from Bayside Church International. Great. So ladies, in a minute I'm going to introduce our um, speaker, but I just wanted to share a story before that. Um, I think it's fitting. So this weekend, or this week, I was praying for the conference and um, reading my Bible, and um, I was kind of reminded of this when I was in school. It's years ago. I was um, visiting this church that was quite prophetic, um, and they had a team come that gave prophetic, like, prophetic words over us, and then they wrote it down and gave it to us, and of course I put mine in a journal to not be looked at for very many years. Um, but as I was praying, God kind of reminded me of this, and what the guy had said to me was um, that he saw a cage, and I was like a bird in that cage, and the door of the cage was open, and God was just waiting for me to like fly out and spread my wings. And I think that that's for all of us this weekend, that that door is open, and God is just waiting for us to fly out and soar to new levels with him and just to bring us to freedom. I think it's especially fitting because our next speaker is Jay. <laughs> and Jay has free to fly tattooed on her arm. And for those of you who know Jay, which is most of us, um, Jay is just a woman who is so full of passion. And she's so passionate about seeing people come to freedom in Christ. And Jay has a quiet spirit, but she is full of fire and full of passion. And so I'm going to invite Jay, who we also are calling Boss Lady this weekend. Come on, Jay! (laughs) To come and bring the word. But notice, Boss Lady carried her own... uh pulpit. We serve each other, hey? We love each other by serving each other. Thanks, Em. Hey, oh my goodness. I'm so grateful that the New Zealanders led worship this morning. Who's grateful? It was a team of Aussies and New Zealanders. Come on. Hey, and I can see that we've got a few extra faces this morning. So a huge big welcome if this is your first session with us. You are ready or you are about to have a really good day. That's all I can tell you. God is good and so you're going to have a good day. Who's up for that? Yeah? Raise hands. Oh, come on. Uh, I'm preaching so you have to get loud. Because I'm bus lady. Bus lady's in the house. She says you've got to get loud. That is how you're going to get the best out of me. We all good with that? Yeah. Awesome. Um, this weekend is wild, strong, and free. I don't know if you'd noticed that. You might have. But um, I've been thinking about this. Can we, um, can we just turn the house lights down, maybe? Is that all right? I'm just like, beautiful. Actually, that's really good. Thank you. Is that okay? Yeah. Can you all see your notepads? Um, wild. The definition of wild is, what is it, Ebony? What does your t-shirt say? Oh, that's my girl. Speak it out. Something living and growing in its natural environment. You know, I think when we think the word wild, we think crazy. You think of me when I get up in the morning after I've washed my hair. You know, Jay's got wild hair. 
We think of, um, I, don't, I don't know what you think of when you think of crazy, but crazy is not actually what wild means. Wild means to live in your natural environment. Now, because most of us are Aussies or New Zealanders, our natural environment is right here. This is where we act. This is where we grow. This is where we be. This is our natural environment. True? So because I'm living here in Australia at the moment, I act like an Australian. I live like people of Australia live. I follow their cultures. And I'm very much Australian. True blue Aussie, mate. Come on. Gave our Filipino friends a pavlova the other night. Oh, yeah, because the Aussies make good pavlovas, don't we? Come on, where did it originate? Australia. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> when I was growing up, I lived in Africa. And that is why I dance crazy, wild, because what I know of loving God is that when you're in worship, you dance. And we got a little bit of a taste of that in New Zealand because these guys have some Africans in their church. It was a little bit of fun. And I don't know if you saw on Instagram, but I decided on Sunday night to wear my mega heels and they decided to dance for an hour and a half. Let's just say I was kind of sore when I flew in on Monday. Just a little bit. But it was well worth it. So living in our natural state, you know, God says, or Jesus when he was on, here on earth, he taught his disciples a prayer. The prayer goes like this. I think we'll all know it. Our Father who are in heaven, hallowed be your name. All that means is, God, you're amazing, we love you. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you know what that means? That means that we, as people who love God, as people who have Jesus in our hearts, we have a different kind of normal. We have normal here on earth, but we have an expectation that heaven is going to invade. It's going to come and it's... I better start my stopwatch. Um, it's going to come and it's going to partner with us yes. here on earth. Yes. And so our expectation should be that our wild is living here on earth, but expecting that what happens in heaven also can happen here on earth. That is what our wildness is. And I think that's a really exciting thing. I'm happy to be a carrier of heaven because heaven is amazing. Yes. To be strong... Who loves to see what strength looks like? Yeah. Apparently, I've got guns. You ready? <laughs> These are new to me. And the way that they have developed is because over the last six months, I've started lifting weights. And I've got to say, I really enjoy seeing the result of lifting weights. It's good to see what the work that you've been doing, that it has... It has an outcome, true? When I started dreaming about Wild, Strong and Free, it was just a dream. But as it has outworked over the past few months, I've loved watching the girls grow and their muscles develop and this picture form. Strength is not something that you have. It is something that develops over time by adding a little bit of weight and then a little bit of weight and then a little bit of weight, and going into situations when you're tired, and going into situations when you're happy, 
and just slowly watching the progress unfold. It's okay to do life a little bit tired. It's okay to sometimes be feeling like a little bit of strain. But just take it slowly and expect to see the gains. Yeah? So we're called to be a strong people, but it's something that develops over time. And freedom. Come on. Who likes a little bit of freedom? So Erin said, I've got the words free to fly on my wrist. And I tattooed that on my wrist because I wanted to be reminded always of what it looks like to fly. What does it look like to fly? It looks like somebody on the cross. It came to me one day. um, I've known Jesus for a really long time. I walked into a church in Africa as a child and all that was going on, there was music, there was praying, there was preaching, there was colours. Everything that I stepped into on that day just made me think, I want whatever is in this place. I had an encounter. You can't change somebody's mind when they have an encounter. I wasn't living a life full of sin. I was only 10, 11 years old. But what I did see was something greater than what I currently had. And so I stepped into a world on that day. I said, Jesus, if this is who you are, I want to be a part of that. And I've never stepped back because I can't. (laughs) I haven't even tried to run away because I'm like, every, every time I learn a bit more about Jesus, I'm like, whoa, and whoa, and whoa. So Jesus is my freedom. And it was one day during worship that normally I would jump around and I'd have my hands up in the air, but on this particular day, I just had them outstretched. And I'm like, I am soaring with you, God. I am soaring with you. I don't know if you felt it during worship, but there came a time when the music kind of, it felt like it lifted. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's like currents of praise. That's like thermals for an eagle. It's like you're like in worship and all of a sudden you're like, whoa, I just went up a new level. Nothing changed. I didn't start doing anything differently. Just God in me. Whoa, whoa, my perspective's changed. I can see things from a higher perspective. That's what the power of the cross does. And that is the kind of freedom that we can live in. And so I really want to talk about freedom today. And um, I'm going to do that by starting in Colossians 1. Is that all right? Now, I've got the Passion Translation because I just really like the way that it's written in here. So if you haven't got the Passion Translation, it is a great way to read the Bible. Colossians 1 verse 20. And by the blood of his cross, everything in heaven and earth is restored and brought back to himself, back to its original intent. Do you know you were created within your mother's womb by God, perfectly, beautifully, wonderfully made? It doesn't matter how you were conceived. It's God who created you. And it is God who brings us back to our original intent, the original creation plan, when we come into relationship with him. He restores us to innocence again. Even though you were once distant from him, living in the shadows of your evil thoughts and actions, he reconnected you back to himself. He released his supernatural peace to you through the sacrifice of his own body, as a sin payment on your behalf so that you would dwell in his presence. And now there is nothing between you and Father God, for he sees you as, you ready? This is how God sees us, 
holy, flawless, restored. You know, something happened on the cross that day, and if you really don't understand how Jesus dying on the cross even came about and the whole story that leads up to it, I really suggest you get a hold of Chad's book, which is out in the, in the foyer. I don't often promote his book, but it is a really good way to understand the Bible. The Bible's a bit confusing because it's written in different covenants. And if you just try and like mold the whole Bible together as if it's all the same covenant, it's confusing. So if you really want to understand how the Word of God works, grab that book. I don't think it's very expensive. But um, it was on the cross that something really amazing happened. The moment that Jesus said, it is finished, in the temple, the curtain tore top to bottom. Now, I can't really go into the explanation right now, but that curtain separated man from God. There were only very, very special people. You had to be born into it, and then you had to go through a number of procedures, a number of... um, purification things in order to step into the presence of God and only a few special chosen people could do that but the moment that Jesus died on the cross separation disappeared and as soon as you accept Jesus you have full access to the king of kings and the lord of lords you have full access to pull down the kingdom realms into the heavenlies and release all that he has here on earth how cool is that so that is who you are you are holy flawless and restored. And you know, the Word of God is the greatest treasure chest full of keys to help us in to enter into a life of freedom, to understand who we really are. And so I'm going to start today with a story that you should all know. You all think I'm going to give away jackets, don't you? That's what you do at a women's conference. Yet free things. I'm starting today with my coat of many colours. You know, there's a Bible story that lots of us know. It's the story of a man called Joseph. But I wonder how many of us actually really know what that story means for us. You know, Joseph was born of two parents who love each other. How nice is that? It's not always the case. But in this story, he was born of two parents who fell in love at a well. What were his parents' names? Do you remember? Jacob and Rachel. So Jacob was a foreigner and he came into Rachel's land and he saw this beautiful woman at the well. And he said, I'd I'd like her. I'd like her to be mine. Isn't it good when a guy says that about a woman? Yeah? Who felt like when the beloved song was singing... Come on and kiss me. I love that it's so masculine. Come on, just kiss me. (laughs) I'm like, God, yes, just come on and kiss me. Jacob was like, that is a woman who is awesome and I want her. And so he goes to her father's house and he says, I'd like to marry your daughter. And Laban, um, Rachel's father, goes, yeah, no problem. Work for me for seven years. Wow, what man would do that? And so Jacob does that. He works 
for Laban for seven years. Seven is a good number. And after that time, he goes and he marries them. They have the wedding ceremony, they sleep together, he wakes up and he goes, this is not the woman I chose. That's a little bit awkward. And so, what's he going to do? So he goes back to Laban and he goes, what did you do? You deceived me. That's not who I wanted to marry. And Laban goes, it's not our custom to marry the second daughter first. So I'm sorry, you get the first daughter, who unfortunately wasn't as beautiful as the second daughter. But because in these times you could have two wives, plus, 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 um, Jacob goes, that's all right. Are you still going to let me marry Rachel? And he goes, sure, for another seven years. You know, at this time, Jacob could have just walked away and gone, you know what, I've got one, that's enough. I don't want anything more to do with this family. But no, he takes on the other sister. (laughs) And so now Jacob is married to these two women. And can you only imagine? So before you know it, a battle occurs. And they are fighting each other to see who can get pregnant first. And Leah succeeds, 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 succeeds. And Rachel goes, man, I'm not having any kids. I'm going to give my servant. Because again, that's what you did back then. And she has a couple of babies and then Leah goes, oh, that's a good idea, I'm going to give my servant. She gives her servant, there's a couple more babies born and then Leah keeps getting pregnant again. What is this? Rachel, the favoured wife, no baby. And then number 12 baby, she falls pregnant. And what is birthed is a child and his name is called Joseph. And Joseph is named that because it means my disgrace has been taken away. So here's Joseph. He's born of two loving parents. And his name means my disgrace has been taken away. How cool is that? But listen, he, out of all the children, and there ends up being 13 children, 12 boys and one girl, out of all the children, it actually is recorded in the Bible that Joseph was the favourite child. That is so harsh. Can you imagine doing that to your children? There's a few people who have got like four or five kids here. Can you imagine choosing a favourite? Oh my goodness, I would be in so much trouble. I've got a favourite, but don't tell my kids. Um, So his dad actually makes him a really beautiful jacket. Oh my goodness. And he lets him wear it and he sends the other brothers out. He's like, you go work. And so they're out working and one day Jacob says to Joseph, he goes, I need your brothers, can you go get them? Actually, rewind. Not only is Joseph the favourite son, but Joseph also has a great relationship with God. Let me read this out of Genesis 37 so that I don't lose my track. Are you ready? Verse 2, I'm reading this in the English Standard Version, so if you want to follow me, flick that one open. Joseph, being 17 years old, was pasturing the flock with his brothers. He was a boy and the son of Bilhah and Zilpah, his brother's wives, and Joseph brought a bad report of them to their father. Now Israel loved, Israel's another name for Jacob, Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he was the son of his old age. 
and he made him a robe of many colours. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak to him peacefully. Now Joseph, he had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, hear this dream that I have dreamed. Behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright. And your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. His brothers said to him, are you indeed going to reign over us? Or are you indeed to rule over us? So they hated him even more. Then he dreamed another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Behold, I have dreamed another dream. Behold, the sun, the moon and eleven stars were bowing down to me. But when he told it to his father and to his brothers, his father rebuked him. Wow. And said to him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall I and your mother and your brothers indeed come to bow ourselves to the ground before you? And his brothers were jealous of him. But his father kept this saying in mind. Here is a boy. He's only 17 years old. He's the favoured child of his father. And now it seems that he has a relationship with God and God's saying that he's like a favoured child of his too. I mean, it sounds like he's going to rule over all of us. So you know what happens? What happens when people are big dreamers? What happens when people have favour? Does jealousy rise up? Does something stir up in our hearts? Like, how, how dare they? How, how come they've got that? What, what is it that they've got that I haven't got? How dare they? Like, who, who, do, who do they think they are? And the brothers, they get frustrated and they're like, oh, you know, we don't want him anymore. We don't want anything to do with him. What can we do to get rid of him? <laughs> come on, who here has thought about doing that to their brother or sister? Um, if my sister hears this, I love you. If my brother hears this, I love you. Um, so the brothers, they're out in the field. And Jacob says, I need you to go, get your brothers and bring them in. And so Joseph, you know, he's like, yeah, of course, I'll go. And off he goes. And they see him coming from a distance because here he is all decked out, shining like a bright light. And the brothers go, this is our chance. And they plot to harm him. He has no idea what's coming at him. He arrives and they strip him of his coat. They put him in a pit. They beat him and they abuse him and they send him off. They're like, we're going to get rid of you. Thankfully, one of the brothers there actually said, don't kill him. Just put him away. Let's cool down a little bit. Let's think about this situation. Unfortunately for Joseph, though, that brother wasn't there when some Ishmaelites came past and they were on their way to Egypt and the brothers had another idea. Well, we didn't kill him, but actually maybe we could make some profit off of him. And so they take him out of the pit. Now, as if it's not bad enough being in a pit. I don't know what else had been in that pit before. It's dirty, it's disgusting, but they pull him out of it and they sell him off as a slave. To be a slave would be terrible. And can I say, we still have far too many of them around the world. Come on, that's one chain we are going to break. Sold him off as a slave, and off he goes 
into Egypt. The people that he was sold to, Potiphar and that house, he, he began serving within that house. And he served and he served and he served. And what ended up happening is he began to wear a new coat. You see, in Potiphar's house, everything that Joseph did went well. The way he communicated with people blessed them. The way he served everybody, it blessed them. In fact, it says in the Bible that when Potiphar, in the work that he did, his work was blessed because Joseph was in his house. And there came a day when Potiphar's wife started to notice Joseph. Joseph responded to all her needs. She wanted this, he gave her that. She wanted this, he gave her that. And so one day a need within her arose and her husband was not home. And here's a fine-looking young man ready to meet her every need. And she says, Joseph, how about it? Come on, women. Joseph, how about it? Come on. My husband's not home. Needed me some help here. And um, Joseph goes, no. Something within him rises up. And the man that he was came out. A man of integrity. A man whose faithfulness rose above any need or desire he possibly had. And he goes, I will not serve that need. That is not in my authority. I will do anything, but I'm not authorised to have relationship with you. And he runs. You know what? If you're ever fighting that desire, run. <laughs> but on the way out, she grabs the coat and he's stripped of it. And what happens is a man full of integrity, full of God, knowing that he was loved without doing anything wrong, is thrown in jail. He did nothing wrong. He said no, and he was thrown in jail. Stripped of his coat, it was taken away. Because Potiphar's wife said to her husband when, when he got home, Joseph tried to take advantage of me. What happens when shame comes upon people's lives? Shame they can't get out of, they lie. So she lied and caused Joseph a great deal of harm. He ended up in prison. He ended up in chains. He ended up in a place that he never deserved. He didn't deserve to ever be in the pit. He didn't deserve to ever be a slave. He didn't deserve to be in prison. But that is exactly where he found himself. And in prison, he doesn't sit there and cry. Well, he might have for a few days. But he rises up and he serves. He communicates with other prisoners and it says that he became well-known in that place for looking after people. The, um, the prison guards had no reason to look after any of the other needs because they knew that Joseph had it covered. And so within prison, we find Joseph wearing a new coat. 
Can you see what's starting to happen here? Joseph has no reason to rise up. He's been abused. He's been thrown out. In fact, they wanted him dead. He has been sold off as a slave. I mean, I can't even imagine. I think that's one of the worst things that happens in the world. He's ended up in prison, like gone from being a slave to a prisoner. And here he is in jail. And yet because he's so open, because his heart is so soft, he still allows God to speak. And so within the jail cell, he finds himself interpreting dreams. I don't know how exactly this went about. He, he probably kept having dreams himself and kept asking God, like, what do they mean? Dreams are really cool. Is anyone a dreamer here? Dreams are a great way to just see how God is speaking to you. Just learn how to interpret them. Like, it's fun. We have adventures in our house. I've got a couple of dreamers, and so we pull out the dream books in the morning. We're like, what's God saying? Is something happening? We've had some real, like, moves of God because of dreams. Our son, who's here today, I don't want to embarrass him, but he actually um, got... Although that wasn't so much in a dream. I think that was a figure God gave him. But he knew the date that our house was going to sell or how much, one of the two. The date. Dreams. So within the jail cell, there are two men who come in. Really interestingly, it's a baker and a cupbearer. Bread and wine. I don't know. We might see that somewhere else in the Bible. There are these two men that have dreams and Joseph interprets them correctly, 100%, gets it right. And because of that, Baker loses his life. Gone. And the cupbearer gets restored to Pharaoh's kingdom, however it worked. And the cupbearer was supposed to tell somebody about Joseph. He was supposed to remember what happened. He was supposed to tell the story. Can you imagine? Joseph was probably in jail. He knew who the cupbearer and the baker belonged to. He's probably like sitting there hoping like, come on, tell my story. Get me out of here. But he was forgotten still for a while. But there came a time when Pharaoh had a dream. Pharaoh had a dream and no one could interpret it. And all of a sudden the cupbearer remembered Joseph and told Pharaoh about him. I'm going to read this from the Word of God so I get it right. In Genesis, 14, in Genesis 41, verse 14, the Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they quickly brought him out of jail. And when he had shaved himself and changed his clothes, because men have to do that, he came before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream, and there is no one who can interpret it. I have heard it said of you, that you hear a dream and you can interpret it. And Joseph answered Pharaoh, it is not in me, God will give me a favourable answer. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, behold in my dream, I was standing on the banks of the Nile, seven cows, plump and attractive, came up from the Nile and I fed them in the reed. And then seven other cows came up after them, poor and very ugly and thin, such as I had never seen in all the land of Egypt. And the thin, ugly cows ate up the first seven plump cows. That is a weird dream. But when they had eaten them, no one would have known that they had eaten them, for they were still as ugly as at the beginning. Then I awoke. I also saw in my dream seven ears growing on one stalk, full and good. 
Seven ears, withered thin and blighted by the east wind, sprouted after them. And the thin ears swallowed up the seven good ears and it told the magicians, but there was no one who could explain it to me. Could you explain that? I'm like, what? What just happened? Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dreams of Pharaoh are one and the same. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years and the seven good ears are seven years. The dreams are one and the same. And then Joseph goes on to give a strategic plan as to what the dreams stood for. There will be seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of Egypt. But after them, there will arise seven years of famine and all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt. The famine will consume the land and the plenty will be unknown in the land by reason of the famine that will follow, for it will be very severe. And the doubling of Pharaoh's dreams means the thing is fixed by God and God will shortly bring it about. Now therefore, let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh proceed to appoint overseers over the land and take one-fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt during the plentiful years and then gather the food for the years that are not so good. My interpretation. That food shall be a reserve for the land against the seven years of famine and it will occur in the land of Egypt so that the land may not perish in the famine. Can you even imagine thinking about doing this, thinking about storing up seven years of food because you were frightened that seven years of famine were coming. It takes a courageous man to do that. And this proposal pleased Pharaoh, so he sent his servants out looking for someone to do it, and they could not find a man. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has shown you all this, there is none so discerning and wise as you. Now hang on a minute. Pharaoh's talking to a prisoner. There is no man so wise and discerning as you. Since God has shown you all this, there is none that I trust, so you shall be over my house and all my people shall order themselves as you command. So Pharaoh goes, he's got all these people that are above Joseph and Joseph just takes control. He just gets to be over the rest. You shall be over my house and all my people shall order themselves as you command, only as regards the throne will be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his hand, put it on Joseph's hand. Do you know what the signet ring is? It's not quite like this. This was big enough that you could all see, but a signet ring means that he can sign documents on behalf of the Pharaoh. And he put on and clothed him in garments of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. You wondered why I had my gold coat, didn't you? Thanks, Pharaoh. What do I do with my hair now? Beautiful. And he made him ride in his second chariot, and they called out before him, bow the knee. Thus he set him all over Egypt. 
You know, Mylene said something interesting last night. She said, if you wear the right clothes, you will get through the season. I want to encourage you that your clothes are not outward. Joseph, through no fault of his own, was robbed of his robes. He was taken from that place of dirt and dust and grime and sold off into slavery. He was then thrown into a prison cell. And in all of those situations, he had the potential to sit and cry and whinge and be discouraged because he did not deserve what was taking place. And there are so many of us here in this room that you don't deserve what is happening to you right at this minute. But the problem is we live here on earth And sometimes we need kingdom, heaven, to invade earth. There needs to be a crashing of situations. And in some of your situations right now, there just hasn't been that full crashing. There needs to be a rising up of the coat that's on the inside. There's a standing firm throughout the situations and the frustrations and the things that are coming against you. And you have every opportunity to rise up. And God's encouraging you to be a people who know what is inside. What is inside you? We are birthed of a loving God. We too have parents who love us (laughs) in the form of God. (laughs) We are the chosen children. Every person who walks on this earth is chosen and loved by God. He died on that cross for every single person. The separation no longer has to exist. Man can take away our outer coats, but our security in God can remain the same and resurface itself in any and every situation. It's really important we know who we are in the eyes of God. Speak the word of God over your life. Last night we strang... Strang? (laughs) Last night we sang, I am strong and full of might. Come on, that's scriptural. Today we sang, I am the beloved. Come on, that's scripture. I can rise on wings of eagles. Come on. That is who God says we are. He tells us to look in the mirror of his word of God and not forget who we are. The mirror is the Bible and the mirror speaks who God says we are. And he does not say that we are many of the things that we say about ourselves. But he says, rise up. He says, see life from a higher perspective. We're all going to see things that are not right here on earth. But we have everything within us to bring the heavenly realms into our situation and to shine. Yeah? Yeah? Ephesians 3. Verse 16. I'm reading it from the Passion again, just because it's easy to understand. I don't just read from the Passion, though, in my study time. I read from all different versions to see what is God actually saying. And I encourage you to do the same. Verse 16, And I pray 
You ready to accept this for yourself? That he would pour over you unlimited riches of his glory and favour until supernatural strength floods your innermost being with his divine might and explosive power. Just raise your hand if you need floods of divine might and explosive power. Come on, you've got that now. Receive it. Then by constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside you and the resting place of his love will become the very source and root of your life, providing you with a secure foundation that grows and grows. Who needs to feel like this foundation is secure? Come on, I speak it over you now. Your foundation is secure. As you stand on the rock, the rock that doesn't move, that stands secure always. Then as your spiritual strength increases, come on, show me your spiritual muscles. You will be empowered to discover what every holy one experiences. The great magnitude of the astonishing love of Christ in all its dimensions. How deeply intimate and far-reaching is his love. How wide, how high, how deep. Oh, Come on, never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. Whether I'm in this place and I'm like, yes, Jesus, I love you whether I'm walking down the beach and I'm just feeling overwhelmed by everything. I want the cry of my heart to be, yes, Jesus, I trust you. When I'm in a situation and people are just hitting me with words, who gets hit with words sometimes? And you're like, whoa, 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 I didn't think I deserved that, but come on, greater is he that is in me. I still love you. I love you. I adore you. Your words might be hurting my heart, but outside of my mouth and outside with my arms, I am going to love you with the God who loves me. You know, hurt people hurt people. And we need to be secure enough to let hurt people hurt us and we still show them the love of God, which is a really tough thing to do. But the only way that we break free out of hurting others is to allow the love of God to infiltrate our hearts and to be released. You guys are called to be overflowers of love. That is who you are. So I want to encourage you today. Be wild. Come on. Come on. Wild. Heaven invading earth. Be strong. Not overnight, just every day choose to be stronger and a little bit stronger and a little bit stronger and a bit more. And then all of a sudden look in the mirror one day and go, Woo-hoo-hoo! and be free in all that God's called you to be. Can we stand together? I love you guys and I hope today I have just implanted a seed that will release you into freedom because freedom for you is my greatest desire. To know Christ and his love and to be free to fly. Father, we thank you so much. You are awesome. And um, we are about to be greatly blessed by some food that some awesome people have put together. How good is that? Yeah, let's say thanks to them. Woo!
This has been a podcast from Bayside Church International. Thanks for listening.